Before we get started, um, most important, we need to get settled this morning, is uh, we found this in the um, parking lot. And um, it's probably going to be a sleepless night for you, okay, if you don't get this lovey to your child. Does this belong to anybody at all? Anybody recognize this? Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're going to put it here on the front row. Okay. And put them there. We'll take good care of him. And uh, it'll be here. But so get it before you leave. You can call me at 11 tonight, but I'm probably not going to answer. Okay. Uh, and a sleepless night will be on you. So uh, there we go. But uh, we are looking at this storyline Uh, This thread that runs all throughout the scripture that points us to Jesus in his gospel. And a couple weeks ago, we were introduced to this guy named Moses. And uh, what we discovered, and as you continue to read about the life of Moses, is that the life of Moses is not about Moses. But the story of Moses is about a God who loves to save and rescue. And we're going to see that play out today. But as far as today is (coughs) concerned, let let me just throw this out that, and this is where we're going to be today, that there's this widespread thought throughout culture that in order for you and I to find acceptance with God, that somehow, some way we have to perform our way into God's good graces. There's just kind of this current in culture today. And, And so the question is, Why do we associate our behavior uh, with our acceptability to God? That this whole idea that the better I behave, that the more God loves us is the complete opposite of the message that God sends um, to earth, that God sends to to mankind. And uh, and before we get into where we're really going this morning is, I want to say this, I am in no way saying that, that our behavior and how we respond to God is not important, okay? Because it is. Um, I mean, if, if we claim to be a Christ follower, uh, then we don't, need to, we, we don't have the right to go out and live any way we want to live and sin any way we want to sin. And if we're going to do that, then probably two things need to be really considered is number one, am I really a Christian? Did I really put my faith in Jesus? Did I really surrender my life to him? Or number two, do I really understand the gospel and what he's done for me? Because why would I want to live that way as a response to his love and his grace and his mercy and uh, dying on the cross to save me? So, um, so I'm not saying in any way that our, how we live is not important But this is what we're going to talk about today, is that God's rules and God's laws are not a condition of a relationship with him, but they are a confirmation of a relationship with him. That God's rules and God's law that we're going to look at this morning, they're not a condition to have a relationship with him, but they are a confirmation that we have a relationship with him. You know, and, and sometimes we kind of think that God threw out all these rules and said, you know, I only gave you 10, so let's see how you do, you know. But that, that's, not, that's not what he does. But God wanted to make it crystal clear for the people of Israel, and he wants to make it crystal clear for us is that we don't perform our way into a relationship with him. That God wanted to make it crystal clear that we don't perform a relationship with him, but his rules and his laws, they are not a condition of a relationship, but they are a confirmation of a relationship with him. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 20. 
Exodus chapter 20, so it's Genesis, then it's Exodus. If you didn't bring your Bibles, we're going to put it up on the screen for you this morning. Uh, You can also bring it up on your phone, but Exodus chapter 20 this morning, as we're going to look at the Ten Commandments this morning, okay? The giving of the Ten Commandments. So, little background. God has delivered the people of Israel, we talked about that a few weeks ago, uh, from slavery, (coughs) from being slaves to uh, the Egyptians, for you know over you know 400 years and uh, he's led them and and cared for them as they've wandered through the wilderness and he brings them to mount the mount the mount sinai and he's about to give them their law as a nation okay and that's where we jump in uh exodus chapter 20 verse 1 said and god spoke all these words so moses goes up to the top of the mountain he's having this uh this meeting with god and god speaks all these words and God says, I am the Lord, your God, who, and Moses is like, whoa, 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 excuse me, sorry, sorry to interrupt God, um, but you said that you are, you are the Lord, your God. Don't, didn't you mean to say that you are the Lord, the God, instead of the Lord, your God? And God's like, no, no, that's not what I said. I said, I am the Lord, your God. And, and, and you know, Moses, he's taking notes here, hopefully like you're taking notes, and, and he says, well, uh, you know, that, that sounds a little personal. Okay, to be, you know, that you're our, our God and that implies that we have a relationship, but we haven't done anything for you yet. And God says, well, you know, hello, you belong to me and I am your God. And Moses is like, just like that. And God's like, well, no, not exactly just like that. You interrupted me. And Moses is like, okay, okay, go, sorry, sorry for the interruption. And so God continues to say, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. So, and, and I'm gonna say this a few times this morning, okay? But what God is doing here, he's reminding Moses who God is and what, what he has done. And it's so important for you and I to remind ourselves of who God is and what he's done for us, okay? That, um, that it's so important for you and I to be consistent moments in God's word because that's the number one way you and I learn who, who he is and what he's done. It, it's important for you and I to be consistent in, in, in church, to, to sing with our brothers and sisters and remind ourselves who God is and what he's done. It's important to hear God's word taught and uh, to remind ourselves who God is and what he's done. It's important to be in, in gospel-centered community to remind ourselves who God is and what he's done, okay? So that's what God is doing here. Then verse three. So he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery and you shall have no other gods before me. And Moses is taking notes and he says, no other gods before me. And he looks up and he says, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute, God. I mean, you mean to think, you mean to think after all we've been through, after all we've experienced, you, you think that we're going to say, no, thank you. We're going to go find another God. Are you kidding me, God? I mean, you delivered us out of slavery. You parted the Red Sea and we walked across it on dry land. You've provided for us and taken care of us. You've accepted us unconditionally. I mean, we're your people. And if this first command is, I want to be your God, of course you're our God. I mean, that that would be the obvious response, but here's the deal. 
Rules do not establish a relationship. Rules do not establish a relationship. Rules without a relationship leads to rebellion. I mean, it's just human nature. You impose a rule on someone that we don't have, you don't have a relationship with, that person's natural instinct is to resist, right? Somebody tries to tell you what to do. They don't know you. You don't know me. You know, what, what do you mean I can't do that? You're, you're not the boss of me, as, you know, as our kids tell us. You're not the boss. Oh, yes, I am. You know, I brought you into this world and I can take you out, you know. But, but rules without a relationship, will, people will resist to that. And God knows that. And he's not so, so foolish to say, well, here's a bunch of rules and, and do your best and I'll decide if I accept you in the end. See, the commandments are not a condition of a relationship, but they are confirmation of a relationship. And God says, I am your God and you are my people. And the number one rule is, will you trust me? Will you trust me? And listen, that's the starting point of a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Now, the reason why people think that they have to come to God based on a set of rules is because we don't understand the first commandment. The first commandment, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. That word before, it literally means beyond or in addition to. That you shall have no other little g gods beyond me or in addition to me. In other words, God says, I want to be your one and only God. I want to be first, not on a list of many others, but I want to be first on a list of no others. You see, and the reason why God says this is because the people of Israel, they're coming out of a culture that had many gods. I mean, Egypt had so many different gods. I mean, they had a different god for for agriculture, they had a different God for healing, a different God for commerce, a different God for war, a different God for love. And, and, and so God is saying, instead of having all these little G gods, God says, I want to be your one-stop shop. So if you have a crop issue, you come to me. You have a health issue, you come to me. You have, uh, you, you, you have a financial issue, you come to me. You have an enemy, a war issue, you come to me. You have a love issue, you come to me. I want to be front and center in your life. And this isn't just the first commandment. It's the starting place for anyone in a relationship with their heavenly father. Do you trust me? Is what God is saying to us. Four, five. Second commandment. You shall not make for yourself any image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below, and you shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, reminding you, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, now, God says, I, I, I don't want you to have any idols to bow down to. I don't want you to have anything that, that you can build that, that represents me. I don't want any idols or any representation of me. And the second commandment was just as difficult as the first commandment because every culture wants to have a representation of God. 
In fact, while Moses is up on the mountain with Mount, uh, having this encounter with God, the people of Israel down in the valley, they're melting all this gold to create this idol for them to worship. It's just something in us. We want to worship something. And God says, don't create anything that represents me because I am bigger and more powerful than whatever you can build. So don't even try. And God gives the people this stern warning. And he says, if you take me out of the center of your life, if you try to shrink me down and make me manageable, if not only will you suffer, but your children will suffer and your grandchildren will suffer and your great-grandchildren will suffer because of your decision. Now, I read that, maybe you do too, and we think, well, that's not fair, right? You think that? It's not fair. Now, listen, I don't know much about multi-generational punishment, but I do know a little something about multi-generational consequences. And so do you. Because some of us struggle as adults because of decisions that our parents or our grandparents made, right? And, And it may not be fair, but it's true. And so I want to just caution us and remind us that there's something always bigger at stake today. And and let's not trade the permanent for something that's temporary. Okay? Now, so we read that and we're like, well, that's not fair. Well, God doesn't stop there. Let's go to verse 6. He says, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who loved me and keep my commandments. And so what God is saying, hey, he's saying, if you will decide to let me be your God, if you will decide to put me front and center, first on a list of no others, and if you'll come to me with all your needs, not only will you be blessed, but your children will be blessed, your grandchildren will be blessed, your great-grandchildren will be blessed, and your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great, all the way down to the thousand generation will be blessed. And so the first two commandments have nothing to do with the list of rules, but everything to do with who God is and what he values. So, verse seven. He says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, that, that can mean a lot of things, and it's probably talking about swearing, and it's probably talking about, quote-unquote, that phrase, you know, that we don't need to say. But, but he's also talking about more than that. He's talking about attaching God's name to things that, that he did not say, okay? Things that, that would damage God's reputation. It's kind of like when somebody says, well, you know, God told me to tell you if you do this, then God will do that. And somebody tells you that, particularly a preacher, you need to get up and walk out, okay? That if somebody tells you, well, God told me to tell you that if you do this, he'll do that. Well, you know what? My response to that is, well, God's big enough to tell me that, okay? And so why don't you just pray for me then that I would also hear that? And so he's talking about attaching uh, God's name to things and saying phrases like that. Look at verses eight through 11. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
And on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter or your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, Sabbath is a lost art in our culture. And someday we'll come back and do a series on the Sabbath. But the Sabbath is not just taking a day and laying around on the couch and watching golf all day. Although that could be part of it. But, um, but a Sabbath is taking a day to remember who God is and what he's done and enjoying his blessings, okay? And that's what God is telling us to do. Verse 12 through 16, it says, Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land of the Lord your God. God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And these commands, God was saying, I want you to honor and value one another. That everybody you lay eyes on has value to God and therefore they should have value to us. Verse 17, he says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. Sorry, all the realtors in the room, so... You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, this last commandment, it's the unforceable and invisible commandment. And this commandment reveals what's going on in our hearts. In this commandment, God says we're not only accountable for the things we say, we're not only accountable for the things we do, but we are also accountable for the things we think. And with this commandment, God is trying to keep us free because this commandment serves as the guardrails for our heart and our mind. And now, as we read, if we finish these Ten Commandments, notice when God gives the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel. Notice that it's after he rescued them from slavery. Notice that it's after he's parted the Red Sea. Notice that it's after he's taken care of them in the wilderness. See, if the Ten Commandments were just a bunch of hoops for people to jump through, then God would have given them the Ten Commandments while they were still slaves. He would have said, hey, do these, keep these, and then I'll rescue you. But God gave the Ten Commandments to a group of people that he had just set free so that they can stay free. Now, even though there's just ten, None of us can keep all 10 perfectly, right? I mean, I've probably already broken three or four of them this morning. And as a result, that's what the Bible calls sin. And as a result of sin, the wages of what we earn, what we deserve for sin is is death and separation from God. And this sin of ours puts us in a hopeless situation. And so the question is, well, why did God give us the law in the first place? Well, he gave us the law so that you and I would recognize our deep need for a savior. He gave us the law to realize that we can't live up to this standard and we need somebody to live up to this standard for us. And so God sent his son into the world to live a perfect life and 
and, and live the life that we can't live and die the death that we deserve. And, and Jesus, with his life and his death and his resurrection, he fulfilled the law for us. And when we put our faith in him, his obedience to the law of God is transferred to us and we get credit just as if we did it perfectly and all of our disobedience and the curse that goes along with that disobedience is trans- was transferred to him on the cross. That's, what, that's the transaction that happens when we put our faith in Jesus. And as far as the Ten Commandments go, every time we break two through ten, nine times out of ten, it's probably because we're not rooted in the first commandment. That there should be no other gods before him. And as the band comes, um, I, I, I would like to start doing something a little different as we close our time together. It's my time with you. It's, I'd just like to ask everybody, would you just close your eyes? I want to give you an opportunity to process. And now let me ask you a few questions. Just, you're just between you and God. And as, as we've been singing this morning, as we've been listening to God's word, has God revealed anything to you this morning? Has he revealed any of the little G gods that are competing for his supremacy in your life? And if so, what do you need to do about that? Is there anything in your life that you need to repent, that you need to confess to him and say, God, I know this goes against your law. And I just confess that to you and I, I receive I, your forgiveness for that, that you've already forgiven me of it when I put my faith in you.